As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldred Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Michael Oldroyd podcast. Actually, it's the Michael Oldroyd comedy podcast. Whatever you want to call it, it's really the same thing. Episode 79. Today is a special day. It is the game one, at least the Sunday's version of game one, across the board for all of NFL football. You like how I just do podcast releases when something has to do with football? I guess that means I love the sport. Uh, if you didn't already know, I would say that my soul is attached to the sport of football. Inside of every pigskin is a little piece of Michael Oldroyd. Uh, so, what I wanted to say is actually Thursday night was the season kickoff for all of the NFL. It was the Bears versus the Packers. My old teammate Chase Daniel is still in the league doing extremely well for the Chicago Bears. He is the backup. He's probably the most highly... He probably has made more money in the NFL than any other player who's ever not played, which is remarkable. No CTE for Chase Daniel and cash and checks and not responding to my Facebook messages. What's up, Chase? You think just because you're in the NFL you don't have to freaking respond to my messages anymore? Are you too cool for Miguel Oldroyd? I mean, what the heaven, brah? I wonder if Chase is listening to this right now. You know what? Every once in a while, Chase Daniel does view my Facebook stories, and that excites me. I feel like that means he's curious to know what's going on. He viewed my LinkedIn profile once a few years ago. It was very exciting for me. (laughs) That was the highlight of my year. Uh, No, but uh, it is exciting to have football back on all levels, not just the NFL, but high school college and NFL, and then everything in between, everything beneath that and everything in between. Football is back. So I started off, what did you guys do today? Did your teams play? Because mine did. As you know, I grew up a diehard 49er fan, but I got lost in the shuffle. You know, when they moved to to that new stadium, I just felt, I started to disconnect. You know, my soul is partially in candlestick. When I was younger, if someone asked me what I wanted to do after I die, as far as where do I want to be buried or cremated or whatever, my answer when I was younger would have been, I want to be cremated and have my ashes spread over Candlestick Park. But the 49ers sold out a few years back, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure if I still want that to be done with my remains someday. Uh, the jury is out on what would be my preference at this point but it is no longer to have my ashes scattered over candlestick park i've traveled to san francisco a few times over the years and i'm not even sure what they're doing with that area anymore and it's heartbreaking but you know what just like after any heartbreak you have to get over it you have to breathe you have to cry you have to accept you know and then you have to start to slowly move on and heal from it which i've healed After the San Francisco 49ers have moved, and I'm disappointed with the change. A lot of changes over the last... The whole thing with Kaepernick, everything just, you know, everything has created uh, a little bit of lack of... I don't know. I feel like they kind of sold out, and uh, as a result, I 
in some ways have... It's like I've been dating somebody new lately. I've been dating the New York Giants. Uh, you know, I, I, I've fallen in love with Eli Manning. And here's the thing is, I'm not a, a sunshine patriot. If I was just going to go out and become a fan because I'm single and ready to mingle and a free, I'm on the market as a free agent... Uh, I'm not just going to go for the obvious, right? I'm not going to go for the, the New England Patriots, though I have much respect for Tom Brady. I'm going to go for much more than that surface-level glitz. I'm not a jersey chaser. If I was a chick, I would not be a jersey chaser. I would not be chasing the rings. I am wearing my cotton bowl ring right now. But I wouldn't just drop my panties just because someone was wearing a cotton bowl ring. It'd have to, it'd have to be... A, a lot deeper than that for me, you know. I'm a I'm a Eli Manning type guy, and let me explain why. Because, yo, he hasn't been successful in a long time, but you know what? The dude has true greatness in him. He's shown us before. He's beat the very best, as many would call Tom Brady the goat. Uh, the only person who's beat him twice in the Super Bowl is Eli Manning, and I just love his personality and the type of person he comes off to be. I've heard. I have friend. I have a friend who's a diehard Giants fan. She actually took me to a couple Giants games over the years here, and she just told me that the camaraderie. Everyone just truly loves Eli. You know, like he's he's happy go lucky. He they trust in him. He's a leader that you know everyone rallies behind, and that's the type of person I want to see have a comeback. I want to see him win. I want to see him do big things. And unfortunately, you know, today the season started off on the wrong foot. You know, the Giants. Started off with an L. They traveled down down to Dallas. Uh, Dallas is a big part of my history, obviously. Cotton Bowl was in Dallas. I met Troy Aikman when we were there. Uh, I tweeted at him the other day, uh, actually, because uh, maybe he'll remember me. Nevertheless, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, Dallas was a, a huge competitor of the 49ers. NFC Championship game year after year. If you guys aren't football fans, you're already bored, and I apologize for that. But I apologize for nothing when it comes to my love for football. Uh, getting back to what's relevant, though, the Giants traveled down to Dallas, Texas today to play uh, down there. Dak Prescott and, and the the boys came away with the W. Uh, it was it was actually really sad. If you saw my broadcast on Seventeen Live AF earlier, I was talking about how disappointed I was to see Eli Manning, you know, end up getting taken out of the game, and, and perhaps it's foreshadowing. But I'm not going to ever quit. I'm, I'm the type of dude that rides shit until the wheels fall off. I will never give up on Eli. And the day that he chooses to retire or that the game chooses to retire him, whichever happens first, I will always go down as a hardcore Eli Manning fan. Would love to toss the rock around with him, uh, which we'll talk about maybe later. Uh, nevertheless, uh, hope, we'll have to see if they, if they start Daniel Jones next week. You know, obviously they drafted him. Everyone was surprised. No one's even heard of him. Daniel Jones, I looked him up when they drafted him. I think he had like less than a thousand Twitter followers, which is rare for a college quarterback getting drafted in the first round. And uh, not that Twitter followers matter. Obviously, the Giants did not (laughs) choose somebody based on his Twitter following. Uh, they probably saw something much more valuable underneath the surface that the rest of society hasn't jumped onto the bandwagon yet. Uh, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see whether they play him or if they play Eli. Are they, Eli, are they going to start building for the future now and start getting 
Daniel Jones reps or, you know, at what point do they pull the rip cord at this, you know, cause, cause this is pretty much it. I feel like the more, you know, every game that the giants lose is one step closer. If we're not already there to, to them kind of saying, thank you for your service. Uh, sadly, but I'll never, I'll never lose hope and I'll never, um, give up my, my love for Eli. So if you guys haven't seen the playbook of Eli, uh, then you're missing out. I haven't seen the playbook of Eli myself, but I have seen the movie The Book of Eli, and it is a fantastic flick, let me tell you that. Denzel Washington really got me asexually aroused in that movie, and it makes me think of Eli Manning. <clears throat> it's all about having faith is what I'm trying to say, guys. I've got faith in Eli Manning. So, Anyway, uh, that's the news with uh, the games. I think the Patriots are playing tonight. By the way, this is Sunday, August 8th, 2019. It's 9.14 p.m. Eastern right now, so I believe that the Patriots are playing right now, season opener. Guess what? I don't give a fuh. I don't care. I, I, do, I, 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 do, I don't have a problem with uh, Tom Brady. I'm not a hater just because he's good. Uh, I'm not a hater just because... He's successful. In fact, I, I appreciate success. My favorite athlete of all time is actually Michael Jordan. So if I was a hater based on success, then I wouldn't. Michael Jordan is more. When people say who who inspires you the most, like to to pursue comedy or football, whatever it is, Michael Jordan is is my inspiration for comedy actually because of what he did uh, and the way that he uh, was a self made athlete. I, I, I so. I'm not hating on Tom Brady just because he's successful. And I, I, I've heard things that I appreciate about Tom. His obsession with becoming the best he can be was very similar to mine when I was playing. Uh, I heard that when the dude's on vacation, he'll be on the beach and he'll hire, like he'll spend, he'll fly his teammates out and they'll be running routes on the beach during his vacations. And that was the type of sick obsession that I used to have when I played football. I remember at one point I, I, I was trying to gain weight, and, and I, I went over the top with my obsession to the point where it was actually detrimental and counterproductive at times. But I remember I was trying to gain weight, and sometimes I would like eat so much that I threw up. So, But it was the opposite of being bulimic. I wasn't trying to throw up, but I, I was like stuffing myself so that I could like gain weight. The goal was to gain weight, not to lose weight. So... If there's an, like the opposite of what bulimia is, but the same overall result, <laughs> that's what I was. I also overtrained at one point my hamstrings in high school. I, I worked so hard that it took me six, like, and I was squatting and doing all these things. At one point, it took me six months to recover from something called overtraining. It is something that you can actually get. And I had very bad plantar's fasciitis because I have flat feet. Uh... I used to act, have my feet taped up before races when I was in high school uh, because track spikes have no stability. Anyway, though, um, I, 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 the first part of the podcast is always talking about what's going on in the world, so forgive me for digressing into my own little rabbit holes here. Uh, I'm going to try to stay as on point with the form and structure here as I possibly can. Going back to the NFL Obviously, I don't know if you guys, I believe it's called Hard Knocks, HBO, the Raiders this year were the team. I don't know if you guys have been following that. It's always like the inside documentary style uh, of training camp and all these things and going into the season. So uh, Antonio Brown, I believe, 
is the one who everyone's talking about right now. He, he asked publicly to be released from the Oakland Raiders, which is something we've never heard of before. So it's not a big surprise that they ended up releasing him. In fact, I would have been surprised and disappointed if they didn't release him, right? Because I can't tell you how many times I've ever been a part of an organization, whether it's football or anything else, where the coach or the boss said, look, if you don't want to be here, walk out that door right now. Because if you don't want to be here, we don't have time for it, right? So there's the door. Please, you know, don't let us stop you. And I've never seen anyone walk out the door, but I, I feel like Antonio Brown is the type of person that would walk out the door. So if the if the Raiders didn't let him walk out the door, it would be like the coach saying, I, I was just speaking in metaphors. I didn't actually mean that, you know. <laughs> Go ahead and come back here, please, please, please. You know, like nobody's going to beg someone to stay. If they don't want to be there, get the fuck out. I, I don't want to curse. I don't want to just drop F-bombs. So, uh so that's that's my synopsis there. If someone doesn't want to be there, get out. Also, what's his face retiring? Everyone's getting up in arms. Andrew Luck, come on. Guys, relax. If the dude doesn't want to play, give him my spot, okay? If, if someone doesn't want to be there, get out and don't hate them for it. You, you guys have no idea the, the beating that these people take mentally, physically, and spiritually like if someone doesn't want to be there, they should not be there. I would do I would have given anything to be in these guys' position when I was younger and I got hurt and the the ball didn't bounce my way as far as getting a shot at the league. I'm still thinking about making a comeback like the dude invincible uh, which I'll talk about later. If I think I told some of you guys about this uh, you may be giggling to yourselves. oh that's a funny comedy idea huh? Hey, this comedian here thinks he's gonna play football, but uh, no, I'm I'm pretty badass. Let me let me just say that if you don't already know. All right, I, I was all right, and uh, that's the thing is if someone had greatness in them at one point and never leaves, there's a part of you. There's a part, yeah. There's a shadow of one's past and things like that. But if you were able to get to a point of success at one point in time, regardless of your age, that always lives on. Uh, in my opinion, and you can always build from that. Uh, so that's why I never give up hope on a person like Eli, because um, I know I know he's got it in him. He he did it before, and that that's just there's a intrinsic part of him that is a champion forever as a result of that. So that's how I see it. I hate, by the way, I hate fantasy football. I think it's so stupid. There's probably a lot of listeners right now that are listening in, going, "What the fuck, dude?" Old droid, what are you talking about? I got in a little bit of an argument with a buddy when I was at home. Not an argument, just a healthy discussion, I should say, right? We're allowed to have different opinions, uh, but he loves fantasy football. Uh, the way I see it is, dude, I'm quit objectifying football players, bruh. <laughs> you know? And, and the, the argument on the other perspective is, dude, these guys put, get paid millions of dollars. Why does it matter? I mean, I don't care either way. If I was playing in the NFL... You know, do what you're going to do. Bet on me. I used to have people that bet on me, bet against me. Uh, I had uh, coaches that bet on me and against me. I had high school football coaches making bets as to whether or not I was going to be successful at Mizzou. There was people that were betting for me, and there was people betting against me. So I know what it's like. Uh, same thing when I was, like, when I used to race. There were people that, that bet on me and bet against me. And I've, I've had people bet for me and against me in the world of comedy as well. 
Uh, I had a buddy lose $1,000 because I'm not famous yet. <laughs> so I'm trying to get famous so that I can pay him back out of the kindness of my heart. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I digress. Uh, I just want to say that I think that fantasy football objectifies football players. I think it's stupid. I The one good thing that I tried it a couple times after... It took me like at least seven years after I played football to get over it before I could even watch football again. I'm just throwing a number out there. I don't remember. I couldn't watch football anymore. I had no incentive to after I got hurt. And I remember it started to come back around. There was this little seed in my heart that never went away because it's something that I truly love with everything that I am. And I tried to like play a little fantasy football because people were excited about it through work or different groups, friend groups. And I just could never really get behind it. I always felt like it was stupid, but the, the benefit was that I was getting closer to the game. I was be, it forced me to sort of pay attention again, find out what's relevant today. You know, like the game changes every year new players emerge, all these things. So playing fantasy forced me to at least know what was going on. And I thought that that was a good thing. But I drafted all my friends, right? So I drafted all my friends that were in the in the NFL, even if they were not, like, <laughs> wise picks, according to the fantasy standings. So I drafted people like Chase Daniel uh, and all these people. And people were like, dude, what kind of pick is Oldroid making? You know, <laughs> like, interesting strategy. But uh, that's my synopsis on fantasy football, which is uh, if I was playing, I would want people to watch me because they liked me. You know what I mean? I would want to. I would want people to watch Michael Oldroyd play football, not so that they could like pay attention to their fantasy numbers or be like, "Oh yeah, I want some money. Good job, Mike." I want them to like watch me because they're like, "Yo, Oldroyd has one hell of a story." And I'm inspired to see this motherfucker out here producing on the football field. That's what's up. He's making Odell Beckham Jr. look like a putz, you know? That's why, yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from with it. So, uh, I have been getting back in shape a little bit. Um, and it's been, it's been good. I, I was getting in shape earlier this year. And uh, I had to take some time off because uh, comedy was getting you know, getting busy for me and, uh, you know, focus on making some money and things like that. So I had to take a couple months off of working out when I was starting to get back in shape, did play some flag football. We had a season since I've recorded my last podcast and that was a lot of fun, you know, to get connected with the game there. One of my buddies from UCLA who played football for UCLA came out and played with us one day. So we were able to, you know, flex our muscles and, you know, kind of dust off the old engines and let me let me tell you something i got some swag still fellas and fellettes uh so that was pretty cool um and this week was my first week kind of getting back on the grind if you guys follow me on live af 17 live af you'll probably see me doing random workouts so if you want to follow me as i get back in shape on there we'd love to have you and by we i mean me okay uh, all right, so that is th- that aspect. Uh, I want to talk later about how I went back to my high school recently and talked to the football players. Uh, and I also did a show for the University of Missouri, reconnected with my old teammate Darnell Terrell, who ended up he was a full he was a scholarship athlete at University of Missouri. Ended up 
being picked up by a couple different teams in the NFL. Um, I do interact with the people on Live AF, but not when I'm recording a podcast as much. So I apologize. This is more of a one-way feed at the moment. It's just to kind of get to see what's going on. And I, I tried to hashtag it with podcast, hashtag comedy, to show that it's maybe a one-way feed. So forgive me if I'm not as active on the, the talking there. Um, nevertheless, what's going on in the world? That's truly my first segment that I try to open up with. What is going on in the world? Uh, 9-11 is three days away, right? So that the anniversary of 9-11, we're going to zoom out of football real quick and we'll come back. Thanks for the like, by the way, Resume Cat. Appreciate that. Uh, we're going to zoom out, talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. All I have to say about what's going on in the world, it, it, yo, it is disturbing what is going on in the world these days. If you really pay attention and watch the news, it's it's hard to watch because it just it, it, there's a lot of it that feels doom and gloom, Armageddon esque. You know, I mean, I sure as I sure as heaven hope not. I hope the world is not coming to an end, but things just look horrendous in a lot of different ways right now. Uh, you know, international relations, weather, uh, shootings, just, you know, a lot of confusion too, right? You don't know what to believe, right? There's different news sources. You don't, everyone, everyone on, on social media, when I look is, is arguing about politics and religion, which is crazy. You know, like usually I, I, I was raised, the one thing not to talk about publicly is politics and religion. And it seems like people are just having battles on social media about their viewpoints on all these really deep topics. Uh, And there's just so many different sources of information, people sharing different articles. You don't know what to believe. So I I think uh, the way I try to live my life is from within. I try to do the right thing. There's something I can do on my level to, to help or inspire good. That's what I try to do. You know, and that's that's only one person, but I think that's all, that's all that each of us can do is is live live our lives the way that we are able to, right? Make the choices that we can. So, um, with nine eleven coming up, it makes me think of my buddy Wale, who is a he was an NBC News guy. If you guys live in New York, um, Wale was doing the local news here for NBC for a while. He just got a job and and started working in the new market up in Boston. Uh, Him and I had the opportunity to go see Jimmy Fallon recently, a couple weeks back, so that was really fun. We got on TV. Uh, I didn't get to say anything on TV or anything, but the the camera flashed. It panned us a couple times, you know what I mean? So that was cool. Um, It's funny because two years ago, Wally and I went to Jimmy Fallon on 9-11 and I specifically I got tickets and I chose to try to get tickets for that day because I was curious to know what jokes Jimmy Fallon would do about 9-11 and we went to the monologue rehearsal no jokes didn't even mention that it was September 11th I was very surprised that on the 9-11 Jimmy Fallon show two years ago they didn't even talk about September 11th and sure there's nothing funny about it but I just thought it'd be interesting uh, and there, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know what to say. I don't know what one could or should say during that time. 
it's a tough it's a tough topic, so I don't blame them. I'm gonna assume they knew it was 9/11, and they just chose not to talk about it. And I'll tell you this, because uh, one time I was doing comedy and I was just practicing when I was in college, and I said, you know, throw a topic out. And if I, if I get, you know, try to stump me with a topic. Is there anybody out there that can throw out a topic? I'm going to try to riff on any topic you can throw at me. I challenge you. Try to stump me. And someone screamed 9-11. And I was like, yep, that <laughs> stumped. I am definitely stumped on that. Like, there's nothing funny about 9-11. So with 9-11 coming up, uh, I, live by, I live by the World Trade Center here. Uh, I'm a couple-minute walk away. Uh, if I was living down here during 9-11, I'd probably have respiratory problems today. So give it up for John Stewart for fighting for people who have been victims of, of that inhalation. I don't know if you guys saw, but yeah, he's uh, that was pretty cool of John Stewart to make that um, that case for everybody and be an advocate for uh, the government not cutting off funding for people that have been affected by some of the inhaling some of the terrible things that happened during that time. I heard it was just, uh, uh, you know, just so many, so many bad. You, you would, you would expect it to be a bad thing, you know, based on what we saw on TV. But for the people that had to live through the entire process down here, there was a lot of chaos and just um, re- residual negative effects. But it is cool to see how America has come back. I mean, with the Freedom Tower. It's uh, it's basically a giant middle finger to the terrorists, you know, and, and I appreciate the Freedom Tower, you know, for, for basically flipping them off in a in a uh, in a sportsman like way. I don't even think that's the right word, not sportsman like, but just the, the higher road. Right. We're, we're taking the higher road saying, fuck you. You can't you can't break our spirit, uh, that type of thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now with, with Trump. Uh, he's pissed off some people in Afghanistan. I don't know if you guys are aware, but uh, he pulled out of he pulled he pulled out of some sort of a meeting or, or conference to get together and with Afghanistan to try and, you know, have some talks. So great job, Trump. You know, way to way to tear it up for us. Appreciate it. That's obviously sarcasm. Uh, I don't think our relationship with Iran is doing very well. Um, you know, thank you again, Trump. Uh, same with China. Great stuff. Great job, Trump. You know, way to uh, really put America in a good position and piss the entire world off. Um, I'm being completely sarcastic. Trump is, if there were no consequences for his actions, I would say he is the funniest comedian like, if this was a parody and it was fake, you know what I mean? Like, if, if everything that he was doing wasn't real, I would, like, be laughing constantly. I'm like, yo, this is hilarious. This is great comedy. Sadly, though, everything that he does has huge consequences. So it's not something that I, I can laugh at. It's something I am very concerned with. And, you know when I step outside of my own world of, of me doing my thing and I see what's going on elsewhere, it is concerning, which, which is bringing me to my next announcement. I think I'm going to run for president in 2024. Uh, I think that the world needs me more as a, as a president than they do need me as a, as a comedian right now. Laughter is only going to take us so far, uh, through these tough times. 
And I think uh, I think we need somebody to stand up and get this dictator out of here. Uh, you know what's funny is my mom thinks I'm gonna be the president of the United States someday. I'm like, mom, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a comedian. I, I'm a comedian. Comedy is my is my is my goal. But she thinks she thinks that I'm gonna be the president and that I'm gonna marry Taylor Swift. So that's that just shows you guys what a good place I come from. She is a good. Hey, she she can predict the future, man. She she predicted. I said this earlier on Seventeen Live AF that she predicted that Taylor Swift and Jon Snow we're going to end up together. She predicted that way back in season one, and I was like, yo, how, you know, at the time I thought it was absurd. I mean, I, lo- I, I love my mom, so I wasn't, yeah, I thought it was like a cute prediction. You know, I was like, why, mom? Out of curiosity. She said, because they have a good heart. Both of them had good hearts. That's why they're going to end up, um, you know, uh, together. Uh, but yeah, she thinks I'm going to marry Taylor Swift. So I got somebody saying no to Taylor Swift. You don't think I'll end up with her really. Okay. Well, thanks for hating. Thanks for the doubt. I appreciate that. Um, what else has been happening in the world? Um, did you guys see that announcement from Michael Jackson's previous publicist that went up a couple weeks ago? Uh, uh, I was listening to that and I was very intrigued. A lady came out and, and spoke up for Michael Jackson saying that she had never seen any type of inappropriate behavior from him over the years and she's starting something to protect his legacy and all these things. And Man, I don't know what happened. I, I've always been a Michael Jackson fan and I've always hoped with all of my heart that he is not guilty of... of the terrible crimes he's been accused of any type of anything that has to do with pedophilia is extremely disturbing and it rocks my entire world of how I see Michael Jackson. So on one hand, if he's guilty of these crimes, it's almost like it tarnishes pretty much everything that he ever stood for and represented. Uh, on the other hand, if it's not true, I feel very sorry for Michael Jackson that that um, a lie or a series of lies would bring down something so beautiful as his legacy. Um, I think he's got people in both corners. I know somebody that dated one of his dancers. Uh, I know somebody that dated one of Michael Jackson's like uh, dancers, and this person said that she's convinced that he's guilty. But that's still not enough to fully... I mean... In, I don't know, man. I just I just hope it's not true. That's all I can say. All I can say is if Michael Jackson... I used to dance like Michael as a kid, and I wanted to meet him when I was like six, seven, eight years old. If Michael Jackson like took me under his wing and we got to meet, I mean, it would have been a dream come true, obviously. And uh, if he told me to take off my pants and he was nice about it, I would have gotten excited that's but looking back obviously I'd be very upset like when I got older and I realized what was happening right but but as a kid I would have I would have I think I would have been like yo if we're just playing you know what I mean like if this is a form of like making each other happy and we're just kind of being nice and fun I would have I would have been I would have been excited you know what I mean I would have uh, I think it's only until later that you realize you know what a, what a horrible thing that that is and it has residual 
damaging effects, you know, to, to the victim. So I really sincerely hope it's not true. And, uh, yeah, yeah, MJ was a, was a special entertainer, you know. So that's really what's going on. When I, going back to the whole presidential thing for 2024, it's funny because when I was back home, I, I, I was getting mad watching the news with my parents. I was getting mad at all the updates of what's going on in the world because I haven't been paying attention. I was like, someone needs to step up. And I was like, all right, I'll tell you what my policy is on every single thing. And we went down the line, and my dad was just grilling me with policies. And I had an answer for everything. Um, and even if my answer was I don't know. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Honesty would be my campaign. I would run independent. I would run no affiliation because I feel like as soon as you uh, become, as soon as you join a party, you immediately alienate yourself from an entire group of people. So independent across the board so that I could have an opinion on each separate, I can have my own opinion on each separate issue rather than having to align with a party and then, you know, make a, a certain part. I think that the party system is archaic and it's, it's creating, it's it's one of the things that's led us to uh, a lot of the problems that we have right now. I don't think we actually have a had a president that is just honest and fully themselves until Trump got in office and he's an idiot. So he's honest, but he's also a huge idiot. So um, the hurricane has been really sad. Uh, it's, it's apparently a bunch of people have lost their homes in the Bahamas. Um, you know, that goes into the, the, the travesties that are going on in the world right now, the mass shootings, uh, the hurricane. I had some really bad travel. Uh, that's how it impacted me. And that's on such a small scale. It's crazy how we all experience things and in our world. It may seem terrible. And then in someone else's world, it's like a thousand times worse. Like I was, I, when I flew back to Missouri, a couple of weeks ago and then back to New York, both times I had terrible travel experiences, but I still got there. I'm still alive. That's nothing compared to people who have lost their homes. And it's, uh, it's crazy. I, I don't really know what to say about it, but the storms apparently are still going on. I think North Carolina, there was a couple deaths already from all this. So, um, so I don't really, there's nothing funny to say about, any of this stuff but it is it is good to be abreast of what's going on that's why i'm talking about it the last thing i'll talk about as far as what's going on in the world is the mass shootings uh when i was in st louis i was talking to one of my buddies he had a, a gun pulled on on him earlier that day st louis has a ton of crime right now i feel like it has more crime than new york city especially when it comes to guns i guess because i don't know if it's because guns are legal there but i'm i get nervous I heard a story about, I heard a story through friends about a bachelor party where they hired a stripper, this is in Missouri, and they hired a stripper to come dance for the dudes at this bachelor party, and she showed up with a bouncer, like a dude, and he like came up before she danced and did her presentation, he's like, I got some ground, ground rules to lay out before we get the party started. I just want to say that if anyone does anything disrespectful or gets out of line and then he like flashed that he had a gun, you know, he kind of like just flashed that. 
and everyone's like, yeah, no worries, dude. Yeah, if anything gets out of line, we're cool too. And they all, there was like 12 dudes, and they all flashed that they had guns on them too. And he was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good. Do whatever you want, you know? So it's like, just to know that that can be there. Like, if I'm hanging out with friends anywhere, and I find out that they've got, like, a gun in their in their hip as we're hanging out, I'm going to be nervous, even if they're my friends, because anything can happen. Like, like, all of a sudden, I don't know, just that conversation made me think about that stuff can you imagine hanging out with friends and finding out they're all just packing heat like that's i don't know man that, that that's not a that makes me pretty nervous anything can happen especially you start getting under the influence of stuff you know you start fooling around with some things that you shouldn't be you know maybe you start betting i don't know people get heated i don't know i just feel like it's a bad it's a bad deal um just get tipsy start not thinking about what you're doing get careless I mean, I've, I've been hanging out with friends before. We were really drunk, and one dude, like, had a knife, and he was, like, just acting a little weird with this, like, big giant steak knife. And we were all like, yo, dude, you're making all of us nervous right now, man. You need to set that knife down. So, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it is a little uh, concerning. I don't know. I don't know what my point is on that, so I'm going to keep moving. Other than just be careful and don't, don't drink alcohol and have knives around. Uh, so I'm going to move on from what's going on in the world because that's a little doom and gloom, a little sad, a little unfortunate, not really fun stuff to talk about. I realized that the last podcast episode I talked about uh, me and my ex-girlfriend breaking up. I had her on as a guest, so I'll circle back to that later. The next big chunk of the show is what's going on in the world of comedy, Right. So I think the first thing worth talking about is Dave Chappelle's new comedy special. Uh, Super, super interesting. Dave Chappelle really doesn't give a fuck, and I like that. Uh, Dave Chappelle has reached a level in his career where he doesn't need need anything. Uh, I assume the only thing he cares for or needs as far as his career goes is to express himself properly so that he can speak his viewpoint. Right. And he hit on all the controversial topics, which I I greatly appreciate. He's not afraid. Everyone's pussyfooting around these days, dancing around shit, not speaking their mind, worrying about who they're going to piss off in this category, in this category. Dave Chappelle just grabbed the bull by the horns and said, fuck this shit. Like, I am I'm going to go straight for this. I'm going to tackle each thing and speak how I truly feel. I don't agree with all his opinions, but I definitely respect his honesty. And I think that we need more of that uh, as a society as a whole. A lot of people are pissed off. A lot of people love him for it, right? You either love him or hate him or, or feel neutral. But I did see some articles where people were, you know, like calling for like cancel Dave Chappelle, you know, who gives a shit? You know, like what's... Sensitivity is, uh, it's unhealthy, you know, being sensitive, uh, preventing people from speaking their mind. That goes against one of the greatest amendments in the U.S. Constitution, which is freedom of speech. So, um, I don't know, you know, I, uh, I'm all for equality. I think Dave Chappelle is too. I think what he's saying is that we're doing, we're going about some of it wrong. And I, I, I feel that we are, I feel that we're going about some of the things wrong. 
we're in a little bit of a of a standstill right now. There was kind of each each thing had its time of sensitivity, and we're kind of at a, a little bit of a neutral plateau at the moment. So things are a little bit settled at the moment from my perspective. Like when I get on stage, uh, it's not as sensitive at this moment it was as it was you know a few months back. But uh, one of the things I talked about last time, Eddie Murphy has a comedy special coming out. He's coming out of the woodwork and making a comeback. $70 million, guys, is what Netflix is paying him to come out of retirement and, and get back out there for us. I think it'll be really interesting I haven't even heard of Eddie Murphy getting on stage anywhere, so I don't know where he's practicing. I don't know where, what he's doing to prepare for this. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see the things that he talks about. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a combination of his life and what's going on in the world and what's relevant. I think that that would be the most interesting. But, I mean, it would be hard to make a comeback from Eddie Murphy's perspective. He's been out of stand-up for so long, and there's such high expectations that it's almost it's so much easier to just play it cool from his perspective and be like, yo, now nah, I'm good. I don't, I don't have to like do comedy anymore, <laughs> but to like take the risk of changing like this perfect view that everyone has of him as one of the greatest of all time. He's taking the risk to replunge and re get out there. And I, I respect that, you know, mixing it up, not being, not letting that fear stop him from uh, further developing his own, craft or you know whatever is next in his art form so uh i am excited i'm not gonna put a ton of pressure on eddie murphy and say oh this is gonna be the best comedy special of all time i i think that that's unrealistic i i think it'll be interesting but uh we'll see we'll see prove me wrong uh kevin hart was actually in a car crash recently i don't know if you guys knew this um i heard that he's walking now thank goodness uh at first, people were really concerned, thinking he might not be able to walk. Uh, didn't know, you know, whether or not, you know, didn't know what to expect. Um, and it's just nice to know. Uh, apparently, he's still in pain, but it's just nice to know that he's doing okay, that he's he's recovering fast. Um, Leslie Jones, here's an update. She's leaving Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys knew that, but Leslie Jones is leaving SNL, so... She's uh she's like 50 years old or something. I don't know if you guys knew that. She looks great for her age. I've never met her personally, but um you know, I know that some people are sad that she's leaving and uh she seems like uh I've heard great things about her as a as a cast member as far as, you know, off the stage. Um did you guys check out the Alec Baldwin Comedy Central roast? I think that that sounds hilarious. I'd love to see him get roasted. Alec Baldwin my favorite thing that he's ever said in all of his years was in that movie, My Best Friend's Girl, where he's like this playboy and all these things. And I thought it was so funny when he was having a real conversation with Dane Cook in that movie. Dane Cook was his son in the movie, and he was asking him for advice. And finally, he finally said, son, I'm a fraud. <laughs> when, he, when, he's, when he called himself a fraud, I was like, I think he's finally being honest, and he's not just saying that like to his son as as a character but he's saying that in real life as well <laughs> so uh i i thought that that was the funniest thing alec baldwin has ever said uh if i was roasting him i would make a joke about how i think he's a he's a a, a fraud across the board not just in that uh not just in that movie 
But I love Alec Baldwin, so when I call him a fraud, it's... I, I know it doesn't sound like a term of endearment, but I think he's very entertaining. As long as he's not a jerk, if I witnessed him being a jerk to people, truly a jerk, I w- I w- I'm, not, I'm not down for that. I think he seems to have the capability to be a jerk, but I also think that he has to... He's the type of dude that girls like. You know what I mean? It's that guy who's not nice. He's like, his kindness doesn't come from weakness, if that makes sense. I feel like if Alec Baldwin is a nice dude, it's because he chooses to be. I think that's something that chicks like. You know what I mean? Um, I guess the last update that I have in the world of comedy is that uh, The Stand is up and running now again. They, uh, you know, they shut down their previous location, as you guys know, if you're in New York comedy and they're back they're at it i stopped by a show um and uh it was it was pretty good so it's a really cool spot it's a really cool venue they got one stage if i'm not mistaken downstairs uh really cool area and then uh if you guys follow ucb stuff in new york ucb has been doing shows at subculture now so they also moved locations the beast is closed now um and uh and speaking of that, I actually got into the academy. So I auditioned to for their, it's basically like their advanced, like their high level top tier study program. You got to audition for it. And I have made it through the gates. I passed the audition. So that was a really big deal. That just happened in August. We're transitioning to my world of comedy right now. So I'm about to give you guys a bunch of my, for the rest of the podcast is, is pretty narcissistic because it's mostly about me and or me me and my world of comedy so if you guys don't like me tune out if you want to hear all this exciting stuff about me feel free to tune in or stay on um so yeah i got into the academy big deal big big w on that uh very excited uh to be able to to make that happen uh i auditioned for a couple things i auditioned for nbc's diversity talent search a few weeks back that was really nerve-wracking i spent a lot of time preparing for that and putting a lot into that i actually got sick afterwards because i put so much time and energy into it it was at gotham comedy club Uh, i auditioned for the head of talent at nbc i guess the vp of talent development somebody at universal and then the head booker the head booker for tonight's show, Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. So they were there, the judges. I feel that I did the best that I could that day. Um, and uh, it was a great experience. You know, they, they have thousands of people that they see. It's kind of like, you know, American Idol in some ways. So um, just a really cool opportunity to be able to perform for them and uh, have the opportunity to show what I could do. So, um I also sent uh, I sent this thing into Lorne Michaels at Saturday Night Live. So I don't know if Leslie Jones is leaving. Maybe a, sp- a spot is opening up. I sent some impressions to Lorne Michaels. I have a, a way that I was able to get a, a package to him. A little secret. I can't really go into why. I uh, don't want to get anyone in trouble. But uh, I have reason to believe that Lorne Michaels did get my... Uh, the stuff that I sent him now, whether or not he threw it in the trash is, is unknown. Uh, whether or not somebody watched it, opened it, if he actually took the time to, to look at it, I do not have that information, but I at least know that he probably saw that there was a package and, uh, addressed to him. So that's, that's the best I can do. You got to shoot your shot guys In, in life. If you don't go for what you want, 
you may have regrets and nobody wants to live with regrets it's better to try and fail than to not try and wonder you know you got to shoot your shot if you like someone if you're attracted to them take a shot let them know be respectful see if they, see if it's a match you know go about seeing if it's a match i'm going about seeing whether or not i'm a match for lauren michaels in saturday night live i've i've done it you know uh maybe i'll get lucky enough to have an audition with them later i'm potentially gonna shoot my shot and see if i'm a match for the new york giants uh you know so the sky's the limit you, you i have no limits in my mind which means that i i my whatever physical limitations may may exist I don't care to know them. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, Christian Bale's, how he views Batman. You know, he's like, Batman has no limits. And uh, and his butler, Alfred, says, well, Bruce Wayne has limits. And he said, I can't afford to know him, you know? So I can't afford to know my own limits. And I think it's better to have the type of mindset that, uh, uh, that you don't have limits. Uh, you'll get further, in my opinion. Aside from people getting upset with you for for being confident i think some people uh, are upset with my confidence let me see did i slide on the dm no lauren michaels does not have an official um instagram account as far as i know so it wasn't a it was not a dm that i <laughs> slid through on um what else my improv group but we had practice today we just got back together everyone's been off for a little bit uh from the Labor Day and uh, last couple of weeks I've been out. So we had practice today for the first time. we got a bunch of shows coming up. Our group is called Too Nice. We're an improv group. We also do sketches sometimes, and sometimes I'll do stand-up at our shows. We do most of our shows at the Pit here in New York City, um, the Pit Loft and uh, Pit Striker, and uh, whatever pits exist. I don't even know. Um, so... Yeah, come check us out. We got a bunch of shows. You can even find us on the website. It's too nice. We got an Instagram account. You guys can check us out there. Check check me out online at the Droid, um, and you can probably see me advertising for those shows as well. Uh, another thing that happened in my comedy world, Mizzou, Mizzou, um, I went back to Mizzou for a couple of weeks, uh, or, or I recently went back to Missouri, and got to perform for the University of Missouri incoming freshmen, which was great. Um, they were awesome. Uh, you know, I learned some important lessons, but my favorite part of the show was at the end doing, uh, doing a question and answers answers for all the freshmen. There was like 15, uh, 15 minutes of just Q and a stuff. You know, there's a couple hundred kids there incoming Missouri, um, business school freshmen and uh, a mixture of Greek life and regular and uh, GDI as they call it right gosh darn independence and uh, it was just really it was meaningful to go back and did everything I could to put on the best show that I could got to hang out with my buddy Chris Blackerby uh, and then I got to come home and hang out with my family for a couple of days which was really nice my parents always take good care of me and it was just really refreshing to hang out with them and you know, my mom is the best. She takes great care of me. And uh, if, I, if I'm if i an iPhone and my battery is down at like 1%, my mom charges me back to 100%, uh, which is uh, really sweet of her. I always appreciate everything that she does. 
So it was really nice to, to have that opportunity to restore, uh, hang out with our dog. Did comedy a couple nights, was able to get some practice in in St. Louis at the Funny Bone and Helium and this place called the Improv Shop. They got some good comedians there, Rafe, Rafe Williams, uh, and you know a ton of guys that are doing a great job in the St. Louis comedy scene. Uh, I did a great job of hosting, what can I say? And I, I hosted a show at the Improv Shop on a Saturday night. It was packed. And there was a couple there celebra- celebrating their wedding anniversary. And uh, apparently they, they knew who I was or remembered me from college. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I think that that pretty, sum- pretty much summarizes the, the St. Louis trip. Um, and I need to create more content for YouTube. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about, oh, I got a question here. It says, where is that? Are you talking about, where's the, the improv? Yeah. You're talking about the improv shop. Yeah. It's down. I forget what it's closer to downtown. The improv shop is closer to downtown St. Louis. The question is, where is the improv shop? Yeah. So you Google it improv shop. You'll, you'll see it's, it's a cool spot. They do improv there. It's kind of like a combination of improv and stand-up at this at this venue, so I do recommend checking them out. You know, they got some some good up-and-comers and some seasoned veterans there. Uh, I perform there usually when I come back home. I've performed there a couple times now, but um, yeah. So as I mentioned before, I'm streaming this on uh, LOL Droid Stories. You guys got to follow the account because I'm going to be doing more stories and tutorials and things like that one of my friends went viral recently across the internet millions of views a girl that i went to ucb with it we actually made some we we met a few times and tried to make some some videos and whatnot she moved to california i told her whatever you do don't move to california it's a waste right and sure enough she blows up she moves out there and now she's got a you know millions of views on YouTube, but she didn't need to go to California for that. Uh, if you guys want to know who she is, she's the one who sings that frat boy song. I forget what it's called, but it's, she's basically pretending to be a frat boy at USC and she made a song about like her mindset as a frat boy, which when her and I met, we were doing frat, we were talking about frat boy sketches. So thank you so much for taking my idea and then developing one of your own from the frat boy idea. Appreciate it, you know? Glad to know that you're famous now because of me. No, she didn't do it because of me. She worked hard and came up with that stuff. I, I didn't write those lyrics for her, so I, I'm not claiming credit on that part. Um, I will say that I inspired the idea, right? Um, what else is going on in my world? You guys, if you listen to the last episode... I had my ex-girlfriend. She still lives with me, by the way. She pops in and out of here whenever she wants. Half of her stuff is in this closet right now. Uh, it's a very unique dynamic. We, just, we were arguing tonight because I needed to use uh, a stool and a chair for this podcast, and she needs to study in the other room. So it was interesting to know that, uh, you know, she, she uh, well, I, I can't even have my own apartment, um, you know, when I need it. Uh, she is paying me rent again. She took a hiatus. Nevertheless, my friends who listened to the last podcast said that they didn't even listen to the whole thing. I guess it was, uh, they were either sad for me or they thought it was annoying. 
So, yeah, I didn't mean to depress anybody if, uh, if you guys are depressed from that podcast. I, uh, I thought it'd be entertaining for people. But um, <clears throat> nevertheless, uh, yeah, things are, things are good on my end. Um, I'm out there dating here and there, going on a couple dates, mixing it up, you know. Bumble, I've been having a lot of more success on Bumble than I ever have. I think it's all about the way you market yourself, you know. So that's been fun. And, uh, yeah, uh, I feel like this is probably a good stopping point. We're getting close to an hour now, so I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, there's not really much else at the moment. You know, just football season's back. The world sucks. Uh, I might play football again. I might not. <laughs> Uh, I'm just summarizing, by the way, right now, what, what we talked about in the podcast. Uh, it's worth checking out Dave Chappelle's comedy special. Keep an eye out for Eddie Murphy's. Um, comedy is going well overall. I had a bunch of... had a big, big month in August as far as being busy with stuff. It's going to level out a little bit now. I need to decide whether or not I'm going to stay in New York. I feel like... We live in such a digital age now where living in New York is not even really necessary. It just sounds cool at this point. You know what I mean? It creates that perception. Oh, New York comedian. But really, you can kind of do comedy everywhere, anywhere. Uh, you can develop a YouTube channel anywhere. You don't have to be spending all this money to live in a place like New York. So, I don't know. I'm uh, considering my options. Uh, but nevertheless, I appreciate, I appreciate everybody's support. And, uh, yeah, I hope you have a great week, and uh, I'll see if I can get another one of these out here for you here sooner than later. But until until then, love you all. Uh, appreciate you tuning in. Go to heaven. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny? Guys, I, I almost forgot one of the most important things I wanted to talk about. And, um, yeah, I, I uh, wanted to tell you guys about the how I went back to my high school and, and spoke to the, the team. So I went back to Eureka High School and to see some of my old coaches, some of my favorite coaches. We got a... You know, coach. Uh, we got two coaches that I played uh, played with when I was at Eureka. Both uh, Jake Sumner, he was a senior when I was a freshman, and then Tyler Wasson, who was a year ahead of me. So I played a lot, a lot of years with Tyler, growing up even before, even before, um, <clears throat> you know, before Eureka High School. We were we were in the Junior Wildcats. He was a year ahead of me, as I've said. And he's been a, a Eureka Wildcat through and through, diehard Eureka Wildcat. Uh, and uh, I, I got to stop by and uh, see the coaches before practice. It was their last practice before their first game of the season. And, you know, Jake, the head football coach, asked me if I would speak to the team before practice. And obviously that's a huge honor. So I got to speak to... Um, you know the varsity, varsity and JV obviously practice together, so I got to speak to them before practice and say a couple words about 
what the program means to me and just kind of words of, of positive encouragement slash inspiration and it was really nice for Jake to give me the floor there at the beginning uh, out on the game field and uh, Tyler said some really nice things about my work ethic to the team just so that they had the the reference and the backstory and then I introduced a little bit about myself you know that I had gone on after Eureka to walk on at Missouri and play with uh, you know with Darnell Terrell, who was a star at Eureka as well. Uh, he was a couple years older than me. So I just, you know, it was really cool to be able to talk about, you know, the importance of uh, what the relationships, the, la- the relationships that you create uh, are lifelong there on the team. The team, you know, is, you know, you know, I just mentioned how, you know, the football team is, is bigger than, it's all bigger than any individual, you know, and that's, that's just true. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, being a comedian is a is a solo dolo, you know, glory type thing. You know, comedian has to suffer and get all the glory. But when it comes to football, the team rises and falls together, and the team is is a bigger. It's a greater thing than than the sum of the individual parts, and uh, it was a, a reminder of uh, of that. Just being back there, smelling the locker room again, you know. Still smells the same. Smells like shit, you know, and uh, <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, but it was cool seeing the guys. It was cool, see- really cool, really cool seeing uh, Tyler and Jake and meeting the new coaches and uh, getting to get some FaceTime with the kids. You know, seeing seeing their seeing seeing what it looks like to be uh, at that age again, where they still got a big future in front of them, an entire season you know, uh, where they can make stuff happen. Anything can happen. Uh, both Missouri and uh, Eureka lost their first game. Very disappointing, but you know what is cool is uh, they both bounced back. They both, I was telling Tyler that uh, I think a, a loss early on can really, if the team responds well and, and, you know, is able to overcome their backs being against the wall like that and fight back and, not be all disappointed and feeling like the world's over if they can overcome that and come back with a with a win the next week that can really be uh something that makes them actually stronger um you can learn a lot more from losses than you can from wins uh, when you put everything on the line and you truly try so i thought that that was really cool to see how both missouri and eureka bounced back and um you know speaking of both of those schools when I was back in Missouri, I got to hang out with my buddy Darnell Terrell. Um, and uh, maybe I'll have him on the podcast sometime, but we were going to... I've been bugging him forever to let me see some of the old practice tapes. I've never had access to the Mizzou practice film other than when we were go- breaking down film, uh, you know, in practice each day there. You know, they, they had the film and the coaches would go through and, and coach us but I never got my own hands on any of that film. So a lot of my best football years are, are on hard drives that I just have never had access to. And DT has claimed for years that he had those tapes, so I went over there to finally try and get a hold of those tapes and transfer some files, you know, and basically hopefully create my own Mizzou football practice highlight tape. But we weren't able to get a hold of that, but DT, what was good is that him and I got to catch up for a long time, 
and just talk about football, uh, talk about what it was like for him when he had the opportunity to play in the NFL, being picked up by teams, the difference in the speed of the game and the intensity, and talk about some of his favorite memories and my favorite memories. Uh, I learned about him. You know, we played against each other every single day, but, you know, sometimes you go back after all these years and you, you sit down and have a, a conversation. You, you still learn new things about each other and your, your thoughts on the game and things of that nature, and it was just cool hearing his perspective on the NFL and practice. And I had to sell, I had to ask one self-serving question. I, I was curious to know from DT. I, I wanted to know who the most difficult receivers were to, to cover for him in practice, you know, because that's the source of, of one man's truth right there. And, you know, it, I feel like if the defense – was the one who chose, you know, who the best receivers were. Or I'm not going to say best, but most difficult, whatever you want to call it. So anyway, DT did uh, grade me pretty highly. And uh, I thought that that was, you know, as a guy who never got to play, if I was a star, I would never say these types of things. You know, a couple earlier this year, I, I uploaded a, a status with all my goals that I had hit. And, you know, it's, you know, it's self-serving and, and it's it's a little humble brag, whatever you want to call it. But in some ways I felt like because I never got the, the chance to play, um, in a, you know, aside from the spring game, because I had never got that chance, in some ways I, I feel less guilty sharing some of my greatness, I guess, to the world, even though it's a little whatever you want to call it self-serving or cocky or whatever but you know I put that status update a couple months back with a, a ton of my PRs that were surprising you know three of them were were better than three of the six tests that Odell Beckham Jr. tested out of the combine and anyway I'm going to say this just for just for my own whatever you want to call it these are words from Darnell Terrell's mouth um, but uh, he never really got to go against Jeremy Macklin or Denario in practice, so we're just going to put them automatically at one and two as far as most difficult receivers to cover. We're just going to naturally put them in those spots. The reason he didn't cover them is because they were always protected. You know, They didn't ever want them to get hurt, so they never really had him go live on guys like DT. He was a first-string cornerback, you know, just to put it in context. DT was uh, one of the starting corners, uh, went to Eureka High School, and because I was on scout team, I'd go against him every other every day. And DT said that, so he went against every other receiver on the team, which we had 20 to 30 total receivers during probably his time there, maybe even more. And he told me that the most difficult receiver, I think, that he ever had to cover was Will Franklin, William Franklin. He played in the NFL as well, so... Jeremy Macklin played in the NFL. Denario played in the NFL. Will Franklin played in the NFL. He was with the Chiefs. Next in line, DT felt as far as difficulty went was Jared Perry. Uh, Jared Perry was uh, also uh, picked up by the San Francisco 49ers. That was my uh, dream was to play for the Niners. You guys know that if you know me very well. And then really I'm, I'm sharing this. For all the people that have believed in me over the years and know how hard I worked, I'm sharing this really for you guys, um, you know, and yeah, it's a humble brag, but 
the people that invested in me and and put blood, sweat, and tears into to helping me, you know, my high school coaches and things like that. I think it's gratifying for them to know this next fact is that DT felt that I was next in line. So, you know, in DT's eyes and and through through covering everybody on the team, he felt that I was uh, the next in line. And I don't need to talk about who else came in his eyes after that because I feel like, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, you know that's kind of personal. I, I don't think any of the guys would give two shits that I'm saying this, but let's just, for the sake of whatever you want to call it, just, just keep it where it is. But that meant a lot to me to know that, you know, about from Darnell Terrell that, that he felt I was at that level, you know. And I always believed that if I had been given the chance – which I was, I just, I got hurt. You know, I think Coach Pinkle was rooting for me. If I had been given the chance that I believed that I was good enough to play in the NFL, and sometimes your own belief is more important than anything else, you know. And it all starts with your own belief, right? It all starts with your own belief. But I always believed that not only was I good enough to play in the NFL, but I was good to be a great player and make a great impact. Um, so... It meant a lot to, to hear that from DT. It meant a lot to go back to Eureka and to speak to the guys and talk about my relationship with him and not just him, not just us, but the entire program and what, how it's bigger than any individual. And um, that's pretty much that. So that's the bonus footage here for those of you guys that stayed longer. Um, yeah, I. Um, I think that's a good point a good point to cut it off for today but you guys have been great thanks for tuning in like i said before i love you and uh happy to be alive i hope you are too and uh the sky's the limit guys i really do believe that you know and um you know if i was now that i'm going back and speaking to, to schools here and there and giving advice from time to time if i ever had to give any advice i'd say showing up is is so much showing up and trying will get you so far in life showing up and just trying actually actually trying actually showing up if you do those you'll you'll make it 99 percent of the way the the the, the next one percent is uh is going to take great great attention to detail great great sacrifice great great all these things where you're really dialing in on all the details but you just show up and you just try as hard as you can that'll get you so far so you have to be brave enough you have to be brave enough to just try to show up and that's why it's that's why it'll get you so far is because so many people just psych themselves out of actually trying you know who, who out there actually has called the new york giants and said i'd like to play for you guys who out there is just just made the phone call and said that you, you can't play for them i mean sure they they can approach you but you cannot play for them if no one makes a call you know and that's how i got on the team at mizzou you know that's how it started there was obviously more to it than that but if i didn't reach out, i they didn't reach out to me to play for the tigers i reached out to coach odom barry odom the head football coach of missouri so if you don't make that call if you don't show up if you don't just try you, you you've already lost you know 
everything is an opportunity to try. There are opportunities everywhere to, to just give it a shot. And if you can deal with failure, if you can deal knowing that you will fail time and time again, but every once in a while, hopefully more often than not, you get a little W going, you can build off that. If you can deal with that, you'll be a successful person in whatever field you choose. So thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, yeah, you're awesome. Peace.